Podcast. I'm Lizanne Flynn. It's sometimes an interesting thing, this work as a medium, which you all know by now is just part of what I do professionally, because from time to time I am called upon to act in service for someone who either has been in the military or someone who has a family member in the military. And I remember really, really well the first time that I connected in a situation like this. It was the density of energy, and I'll explain a little bit more about that here in just a second, that I have come to recognize as being very specific to the military. It speaks of service being connected amongst many members. And in a way, I think that is quite unique to humans. When I talk about the density of the energy, initially I thought it felt heavy. And I suppose that's another adjective one could use to describe it. Over time, I've come to the place where it's not so much heavy. It has to do with dealing with numbers of souls in deep connection with each other and unified from a common purpose. And I think in human experience, it's rare that we come across any other groups that we might say are united not only in a life experience kind of way, but also in a soul path kind of way. I do think that going into the military is a calling. And I do think that perhaps individuals who might say, oh, I don't know about a calling, that I just kind of found myself in the military, I would hazard a guess, and I have a hunch, that probably at some point along the line they came to the point of, oh, I see now, this is why I am here. And I think that kind of stands true whether you have been in service to your country for five months, five years, 15 years. There's that connection and that kind of initiation, my favorite word of this time period, it would seem, that kind of cements these experiences together. And I think bonds in a way, on a soul path level, that kind of transcends perhaps human experience. Because like I said, I I really can't honestly think of any other truly leaving behind of the individual and belonging to the collective that happens as frequently and as much and to the certain depth that it does as in the military. 
And at the same time as I think there is something to be said for the bonds that are created amongst those who have served in the military. I have to tell you from an animal perspective, they remain a bit puzzled about the memorials to ostensibly death and to those who have transitioned out of their life path on this planet while they have been in service to the country. The interesting thing about memorials for our species is that I think we use them perhaps as a platform. A platform to maybe kind of remind other future generations of the sacrifices that were made. We view it as a sacrifice. I do perceive stepping into, if you will, the boots of others in order to stand in readiness to defend the very things that we prize as humans here, at least in the United States of America. To a certain extent, the animals would perceive that creating the memorials keeps us in a place of pain. Creating these memorials, they would say, keeps the grief present and to a certain extent forms attachment to that place of pain. And again, I'm not sure that I have an answer for that. My role here is only to present what the animals would say about these memorials to conflict. Because while I do perceive that it's true and certainly well known amongst other species on the planet and even amongst family groups, if you will, of same species, for instance, one pride of lions uh, against another pride of lions, um, hippos, elephants, etc., that they do sometimes have their own turf battles. They do sometimes, amongst primates certainly, have not only inner conflicts within a family group, but also external conflicts. For instance, when another family group chooses to come in and attempt to steal what they would see from their vantage point are females that they can then use to make sure that their genetic lineage kind of keeps on and and is carried forth. At the same time though they would also say we don't need memorials to remind us of that. We don't need memorials to remind us that even when we step into those places of conflict, there's also at the same time grief on their part of perceiving that they have to do that. You know, and we've we've talked about animals before extensively on this podcast, and the soul path that they have in addition to humans and human experience also having soul paths. We've touched just a little bit on animals as light beings and ascended masters on the planet as are humans. It's my perception though that animals seem to combine their experience and their light being status slash ascended master abilities a little bit more easily in this dimension than humans do. For whatever reason our parameters of consciousness seems to have kind of 
locked that out. And I think we also, to a certain extent, have kind of locked out the fact that our physical transition out of physical form is simply that, a transition. Whenever I talk with animals and I work with specifically companion animals about an upcoming transition, say for instance, it's not that they are, oh goody, I get to go into another life now and I have a much better chance of doing whatever it is I want to do there, because to be perfectly honest, that's kind of my perception, cynical though it may be, of humans, of oh, I'm a, I'll get another chance to do it better, I'll get another, I'll get another chance to do it right. Animals have a remarkable way of looking at death as a transition out of, to be perfectly honest with you, kind of a squished physical form into a form of energy that is able to be present everywhere and perhaps an opportunity to open another door into a different room. I don't get the sense ever that they're anxious to leave this one behind. They certainly have a remarkable depth of compassion for whatever human family they're leaving behind. And certainly, if it comes to the point where that human family, their guardian, has to make decisions regarding supporting their transition in the form of euthanasia, I really have not ever connected with an animal who doesn't feel deeply and have frankly a little bit of guilt about asking their guardian to make those choices because they do understand the burden that it is. Another reason why I don't think they need memorials to either past conflict or perhaps to remind themselves of, oh yes, we we shouldn't ever behave this way again, is that there's kind of an an ancestral coding, I guess, that's passed down from mother to child when that particular animal being is in utero. I've seen it before. It's quite prevalent. A mother orca shared that with me once, and while her calf was in utero, there was a very clear it almost looked like um, an LED light, if you will, going from the brain and the heart of the mother orca down into the brain and the heart of the calf. So when that calf is born and enters into this physical experience, separate and apart from the mother orca's body, there's a knowingness of ancestral lineage and information that goes back generations. They use the master language of energy and they access that freely because they understand that that master language of energy can't necessarily be simplified down into, and frankly that's kind of the way they look at it, uh, another term for that would be dumbing it down into verbal language. Every other species on the face of the planet uses the master language of energy, with the exception of the human species. They know that connecting via energy brings forth all of the wisdom and all of the information that whatever that 
species being born into this experience needs to know it is present at the moment of birth. There isn't a reliance on, well, we're going to look at this part of our history and past in this light and according to, say for instance, our culture. They really don't do any of that. It's simply a, yes, I am orca on this planet. Yes, I am dolphin on this planet. Yes, I am primate on this planet. Yes, I am elephant on this planet. Yes, I am rhino on this planet. Yes, I am snake on this planet. <laughs> I could go on and name a thousand other more species. They come onto this planet with a knowingness of, this is what it's like to have these conflicts. Because this is a planet of duality, yeah, you are going to have these conflicts from time to time. At the same time, I think we would be foolish as a species, as humans, in our human experience, not to understand that we're kind of being held up by all the other species on the planet as an example of what not to do. And we cycle back to our perception of death. And perhaps our perception is that this is the one and only chance that we have. We cling to this physical form. We create whole monuments. We have whole cemeteries dedicated to these physical forms. And you know, the really interesting thing is not that animals aren't connected to their physical forms. They actually are probably more in love with their physical forms and consider them to be their best friends than certainly our species does on this planet by far. And the really only important thing that matters to them is, I want my physical form in whatever remains it happens to be to even just have a little bit of a return back to the earth again. For them, that's kind of a closure. For them, that's almost like putting a period on the end of a sentence of, I was visitor to planet earth from X point in time to X point in time. Although, quite frankly, they don't even add the X point in time to X point in time. <laughs> they will simply say, I was a visitor to planet earth. It makes them feel, because the earth herself has been such an important partner to them in this experience it feels complete to them I often can hear kind of a sigh of relief of oh okay oh yes okay so my point of attachment with this planet has now been broken and again it's it's not that they are going to want to close the door on that and say, wow, that was really something. I don't care to go back there again. But let's face it, how many, how many times have you thought that yourself? And maybe how many other times have you ever heard another human say that to you? Wow, if I come back in a second life, I'm definitely going to come back as not this and not having this experience. With the animals, they have a remarkable way of stepping into all of these dimensions at every single moment in time. And because they don't have these statues, these memorials, these connections to the what was to remind them, they're able to step into these places of transcendence every single moment 
of every single day that they're here. They understand that the soul thread that links them forever to their soul families in the universe, because newsflash, just because you're in a biological family down here on the planet does not mean that that is the same as your soul family. Another topic for a future podcast, I promise. They understand that the soul family in galactic form, if you will, differs from the biological families. And it also differs from the human family to human family. But this is what they use. This soul thread is what they use to connect to each other and back again to us in energy. Which is why if you have ever been a client of mine and we happen to be connecting about your companion animal transitioning or recently transitioned, I will likely ask you and I will likely have a request for you from them that at some point you create some small ceremony to be able to share again even just a teaspoonful of your companion animals cremains if they have been cremated back with the planet because they would not want for you to remain in this point of attachment to their physical form because they consider it so transient and impermanent because they understand that this language of energy, this frequency, this vibration that connects you with them and they with you transcends lifetimes. It transcends physical forms. It is not at all uncommon for an animal to be transitioning or frankly for a human to have recently transitioned. And when I step into that space, there is undoubtedly a welcoming committee made up of both human and animal family members. And you know what? It doesn't matter if they haven't met either those human or animal family members before, because if you as guardian knew them both, you serve as that connecting point. You are the one that brings forth soul beings who have already transitioned and who are out of physical form to the other side of the door where they're waiting to receive them. They're waiting to make sure that the transition is complete and that the transition is easy because that's what we want for anyone, isn't it? These monuments that we have, these memorials that we have, to a certain extent even these gravestones that we have, they serve to reinforce our dependence on the verbal language. You and I both know that no amount of words could possibly ever sum up a lifetime of an experience that a parent has with their child or that a child has with their parent or that one beloved family member has with another family member or a close friend. That's why sometimes I think we kind of grasp for words because the verbal language is so limiting. Trust me when I tell you, when you have a telepathic download, it likely will kind of sit you back on your heels, if not your butt. And you struggle a little bit 
to make sense of all the nuances that are just downloaded in a nanosecond. As much as you can and in these coming days, I invite you to step more into the master language of energy, even if you consider yourself just to be a beginner, because frankly that's where I'm at. <laughs> Every single time I step into these other dimensions, there's just a little bit of half a second pause and I just want to say, hmm, is this working? Is this thing on? Is it plugged in? Because it will take leaving behind your experience of being human on this planet and stepping more into the light being and the soul status you have that is connected to all of the universe. It's not meant to lessen your human experience in a very unique way. It actually makes the human experience more precious. I don't doubt though that it will also give you a very different perspective on death. I would like to think that it would give you a perspective on death as being a transition of, as the saying goes, energy just simply changes forms. It still remains the same. You are able to connect with all those beloved family members that you have, air quotes, lost, because they're not lost at all. You might be, temporarily, while you go through the very natural grieving process. Other species do that as well. This is not about grieving. This is about trusting yourself, and maybe even the larger pictures the animals would say, trusting ourselves enough as a species to say, wow, yeah, we're not going to go back there again. We are going to have the memory of all of these disastrous conflicts amongst our own species, individually and as a collective, seared into cellular memory so that every single future generation will get the same download as an orca calf does. At least, that's the place that animals hope that we get to. And, as I've said before, right now, energy across the planet is in transition, big time. We have a choice about what sort of structures, if any, we're going to put up for ourselves. Even just this coming week, even just for five seconds, I'm going to make it harder, even just for ten seconds, I would invite you to imagine what it might be like not to be in human experience to just be light and energy floating across the face of the planet and just kind of see how your body responds to that my hunch is that you might get a little bit of a tingly feeling kind of all over and as I said before your body will always 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 tell you the truth it's incapable of lying to you so trust that I'm Lizanne Flynn. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.